This morning we want to consider God's Word from Ephesians chapter 5. We'll invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be beginning in verse 15 and then reading all the way through chapter 6 verse 4. But the focus of our study this morning will be the Christian family, that is wives in the Lord, from verses 21 through 24 and verse 33, but beginning in verse 15 of Ephesians 5. Let's give our attention now to God's Word. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should also submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord or that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the Word of of God and will be our consideration for the next few weeks. My most dear friends, there is no institution more sacred and there is no institution more basic than that of the family. All you need to do is go to a wedding and you will see how sacred, how set apart the family is. The family is also an institution that has existed from the beginning of mankind. And it is the proper place for humans to be birthed, to grow, to flourish. It is a fundamental of human life. That we all want to be a part of a family, 
that we all need a family. It is basic to who we are. There is no institution more sacred. No institution more basic. But there is also no institution more attacked than the Christian family. Congregation, we know this. Even from the beginning, there was division in the Christian family. Remember, in the fall of Adam and Eve, what does Adam say when the Lord says, what have you done? It's this woman you've given me. Fractures in the family. The division between Cain and Abel. The Bible is full of accounts of Satan aiming his accusations and sins at the Christian family. I'd imagine that there isn't a family in here that hasn't been affected by these attacks. We have all seen in our lives the rise of frivolous divorce. The rise of voyeurism and pornography, of homosexuality, of transgenderism, of hookup culture, all of which are direct attacks on the institution of the family. Since the beginning, Satan has attacked the family. And he is very wise in doing so. As William Hendrickson says, as goes the family, so goes the society, so goes the nation, so goes the church. For many of us, this has left us bewildered. How do we live in a world where the family seems to be degrading, seems to be falling apart? How do we live in a world where husbands no longer place their wives before themselves? How do we live in a world where wives seek to domineer and dominate their husbands? Where children don't respect their parents? Or where singles have no place? So the elders and I have decided that in the first series of this year, of 2023, that we would like to address the subject of the Christian family. See, it is the nature of the family, see, the nature of the family, excuse me, is a subject that the Holy Scriptures take very seriously. That this is an institution that God has created. He says in Genesis 2 that a man shall leave his father and mother and he shall hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. They shall become a family. But due to sin, the family needs to be sanctified. The family needs to be Christian. Our families need to be built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ that we might glorify God and lead others to salvation. As Abraham Kuyper notes, the Christian family is to be a miniature expression of the church. The Christian family is to be a miniature expression of the church. And so we want to consider that for the next five weeks We want to consider first this morning, wives in the Lord. 
And then next week, Christ-like husbands. And then the mystery of marriage. We want to consider children and their fathers and parenting. And then we want to consider singleness, which oddly enough may fall on Valentine's Day. Or the week closest to that. But I'm not going to change it. But we want to consider the subject of a family set apart and founded upon the solid work of Jesus Christ. But first, this morning, we want to consider wives in the Lord. You may find it interesting that in the New Testament, its longest discourses on the family, here in Ephesians 5, and in Colossians 3, and in 1 Peter 3, all the places where the family is treated at length, they all begin not with addressing husbands, but addressing wives. So we don't begin with women this morning in our series on the Christian family because I have something I want to pick on you for. In fact, it's the Bible's trend to start with women in the New Testament. You might say, well, why is this the case? But we have to remember that when the Apostle Paul was writing Ephesians and writing Colossians, he was writing at the time when the woman's position in society was in great flux maybe more than it had ever been before. The vast majority of women would have existed in the lower caste of society, the poor slavery caste of society, where women would have been valued as little to nothing. Not strong, not able to bring in money. All that a lot of these women were good for were sexual favors. But then, this, as I say, this was a time of great flux where with the spread of Rome and the spread of wealth and power throughout this Roman Empire, many women were becoming very influential, becoming powerful, having strength in and of themselves, whether that was military strength, whether that was some financial strength or positions of power. And so they flipped the tables on the men that had so domineered them for centuries and then began to oppress men. They had little to no rights. They, or excuse me, women had either little to no rights, living in impoverished conditions, and then we had rich women, on the other hand, who lived licentious lives, powerful lives. The Apostle Paul says when a woman comes into contact with Christ, everything changes, though. She is not to be dominated. Nor is the woman, the Christian woman, to be domineering. Instead, the New Testament says a Christian wife is to be loved, protected, provided for, and cherished. The Bible prohibits a Christian wife from being beaten. The Bible loves and values women. The wife's position radically changes when she becomes a Christian. She is not to be dominated, but nor is she to be domineering. Instead, a woman is called, the Apostle Paul says, to be like Christ and to submit to her husband in the Lord. That's our theme this morning. Notice that in your bulletin insert as well as our points. God is pleased 
when Christian wives submit to their husbands in the Lord. God is pleased when Christian wives submit to their husbands in the Lord. And we want to see this in two points. Instruction for Christian wives and then the illustration for Christian wives. Now, if you are not a wife this morning, this doesn't mean that you get to check out. Men, I encourage you to prayerfully listen as well and to consider if you're not yet married what sort of wife you should be looking for. Men who are married, how you can pray for your wife. Men who maybe have lost their wives, how to pray for your children. Young women who are not yet married, may you learn how to be a Christian wife. Women who are married, may you learn how to submit to your husband in reverence and love for him. Women who have lost their husbands, may you learn how to pray for your daughters and granddaughters to serve the Lord in their marriage. We want to begin with the instruction for Christian wives, but you see, before we even consider wives, our Scripture passage begins in verse 21. Paul gives a general instruction for all Christians that we should be, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It may seem somewhat strange to you this morning to begin our reflection on Christian wives in verse 21 since Paul only really begins to address wives in verse 21. But what we don't see in our English Bibles is that in the Greek, these two verses are grammatically connected. In fact, verse 22 doesn't even have the verb submit. It's being supplied by the uh, verse prior, verse 21. What we, see, what we need to see then is that verse 21 and 22 are addressing the same principle of submission. You see, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul has begun to uh, unfold how a Christian is to live in light of being a Christian, in light of serving the Lord. They are called, verse 8, not to walk in darkness, but to walk in light. They are called, verse 18, Not to be filled with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. Paul in Ephesians 5 is directly concerned with our conduct as Christians. That we need to have a conduct that is consistent with our Christian testimony. And part of that Christian call, part of being filled with the Spirit, Paul says in verse 21, is that you need to submit to one another. The word in Greek, hupotasso, is a military term meaning ordering something underneath something else. It's passive, meaning it's voluntary. Don't miss this congregation. Paul is saying, verse 18, if you're filled with the Spirit, you will voluntarily, you will willingly serve others. You will willingly Put yourselves beneath other people. Now this is why verses, verse 21 excuse me, is so important. Look at this context. Is Paul in verse 21 speaking only to women? Or is he speaking to everyone? Read it with me. Submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. 
It is the expectation, the Apostle Paul says, that every single one of us in this room would be involved in serving others. Do not get it twisted this morning. The whole of all of our lives, men and women, is to be one of submission. All of us. Not just the women. Not just the wives. All of us are called to esteem one another as greater than yourself. Paul begins with a general directive. This doesn't erase what we will see. That there are divinely ordained gender roles. But women are not a divinely ordained lower class. Brothers, do we not know that these are God's daughters? They are not less than us. They are not called to something entirely even different than us. But there is a divine order we will see in the submission to one another. And so we see in verse 21, the Apostle Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And Paul doesn't say that a Christian can pick and choose who he submits to, he or she submits to. I don't get to submit to her because I think she's pretty. Or submit to him because he's smart. Or he has money. Or he is an elder. No, he says we are to submit to one another because we fear God. We reverence Christ. The word for reverence there in the Greek is phobos. That's where we get the English word phobia. Phobos. We are to fear God. That's why we submit to one another. But if you flip with me to verse 33, which we want to consider this morning as well, Paul elaborates on the husband and the wife's role in a marriage, and he says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she, Phobos, respects her husband. He connects these two verses, and look at what he is saying here. A woman should respect her husband because she has reverence for Christ. Do not miss this this morning. Especially my young female friends. The motive for a wife's respect, the motive for her conduct in marriage, is not because her husband is stronger than her. A woman doesn't respect her husband because he is kind or because he is Christian. She is to submit to her husband because she fears God. It's a religious duty. The logic here is, if you have reverence for Christ, then you should also have reverence for your husband. So we've spoken much about the word submission but I've intentionally not given you a definition of it. If you know anything about the contemporary Christian debates these days, you would know that this is a hot-button issue. 
to put it lightly. So what is Paul saying when he says, wives, if you fear God, submit to your husbands? Now, in order to understand these words, we need to be reminded that God created distinct but divinely ordained gender roles. You see, it's in the creation story all the way back in Genesis 1, verse 27. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In the creation story, we are reminded that God created gender. And in fact, when God sees Adam alone, it is the only thing in God's perfect world that he says is imperfect. And so God causes Adam to fall asleep. He takes from Adam's physical body a rib and creates this woman. And as he awakes, imagine the joy in his heart. He sees his wife. He exclaims, she is the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. And he names her Eve both of those actions that she comes from his body, that he gets the privilege of naming her, speaks to his authority in the relationship. He is called to be the head, but she is never considered inferior. She is called a helper fit for him. They have equal value. In Genesis 1, women and men have equal value in Ephesians 5, yet both God in Genesis 1 and Paul in Ephesians 5 say that they have different roles, different callings in life, if you will. So this should help us nuance our definition. What does it mean that the Apostle Paul says that you wives, Christian wives, should submit to your husbands. To submit does not mean blind servitude. Like a servant who at the beck and call only ever responds with, yes sir. Is that what God is describing? No. It doesn't mean to submit that a wife has no say in the matters of the family. Instead, here is the definition. To submit means a Christian wife should follow her husband's loving leadership. And men, don't we read in Ephesians 5 where we're supposed to lead our wives. To the cross. We lead our wives to Christ. Even to the point where we might lay our lives down for them. A wife, a Christian wife, is called to follow her husband's loving leadership. Even though I know, ladies that a lot of you are smarter than your husbands. Don't worry, fellas, I'm one of them. Some of you may even be more spiritual than your husbands. 
But the Christian woman, listen to this, is not called, called to be controlling or domineering like a rich Roman woman. Nor is she called to be dominated like a slave Roman woman. But she is called to respect the leadership that he endeavors to provide for his family as he follows Christ. Now, I'm fully aware that many struggle with the idea of submission. You may say, "Uh, Pastor, uh, you say I'm equal to my husband with a different calling, and that's all well and good, but this teaching still stings. If you're a young woman, maybe not even a young woman, maybe you're just a woman in general who struggles with the idea of submission, listen closely. Christ knows that struggle as well. He knows that challenge even in a greater sense than you may. He humbled himself. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2, Christ even emptied himself. He took a subordinate role. He put himself under the Father. The Father's headship with a voluntary, free, and joyful eagerness. Christ knows what it means to submit. But it was not an assault on His dignity to submit. It wasn't an assault on His divinity. It wasn't that He was less than the Father. He was not a slave. He was not dominated. Nor was He domineering. Christ knows what it means to submit. But remember that through His submission, God brought about a great work of salvation and glorification. As Kathy Keller puts it, if it was not an assault on the dignity and divinity of Jesus to submit himself, and to assume the role of the servant, how could it possibly injure me to be asked to play out the Jesus role in my marriage? Women, that's what you're called to do. Not to be a servant, not to be a slave, but to be like Christ to your husbands, and to your children. Let's address the men for a moment in a word of application. Brothers, you are not called to sit on the couch and ask for a beer. And your wife serve you. And your every beck and call. But brothers, you are called to do all that you can to foster in your wife a greater love for Christ. Wives, you are called to foster in your husbands a greater love for Christ. And this will benefit your marriage. The closer a husband is to Christ, the closer a wife is to Christ, the better the marriage will be. Likewise, for our unmarried men and women who are here today, what are your priorities in looking for a spouse? Someone who can bring you closer to Christ? 
or somebody who will serve you or looks good enough or whatever else the standard may be. Paul says the Christian call in the family is to get close to Christ. Ladies, also be reminded here that wherever Christianity spread throughout the world, a woman's plight in life improved. Look at the other religions of the world where the wife has to throw herself on the burning pyres of her husband's funeral. Look at the other religions where, as I was researching, this one author said that where the Christian Bible says a woman cannot be beaten, the uh, Quran tells you how to beat your wife. They're not here. The Scripture is not putting anything oppressive on you. It's trying to lift you up to your rightful place as a daughter of the King. And it should also be pointed out that you are loved by the Lord and that God is glorified. He is pleased when a wife submits to her husband in the Lord. It pleases God. Sometimes we have to do what the Lord calls us to, even if it may not feel right, but we know it glorifies Him. We see this illustration for Christian wives. Paul says in our second point, an illustration for Christian wives. Paul says that the Christian family, in the, especially in the sacrificial love and the submission of wives and husbands, they are actually a picture of Christ's love for the church. To be married in the Lord means, listen to this, how convicting is this, that our marriages are supposed to display the gospel. How convicting. When people see a Christian family, they're supposed to see Christ. They're supposed to see a husband and a wife in love and go beyond that to the person and work of Jesus. And in particular, Paul wants to highlight that when people see Christian wives in love submitting to their husbands, it displays Christ's love and submission to the Father. Paul will even say, if you flip to verse 32, that that picture is profound. So look what we see here. A picture of perfect marriage. Paul points out that when Christian wives submit to their husbands, even though their husbands are not perfect, even though their marriages are imperfect, it is a picture of the perfect marriage between Christ and the church. Verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now a lot of people read that verse and we think, head, yes, that means that the man has authority over his wife. And there's, some, there's a lot of truth to that. But Paul also intimates here that a man is called to be Christ-like towards his family. You see, Christ as the head of the church is vitally interested in the well-being of His body. He is the church's protector. 
Even now, this day, every moment of every day, Christ is interceding for His church. He came for her. He bled for her. He died for her. What Paul is saying amounts to this, that a Christian wife should voluntarily submit to her husband because her husband is so closely and intimately acquainted with her needs. That her husband is so concerned with her welfare. That her husband would be willing to lay down his life for her just like Christ did for the church. Our marriages, when a husband lives like that and a wife submits out of love, display the perfect love of Christ for the church. The second picture we see is the purpose of marriage. It's interesting in these four verses that we're looking at this morning, how many times Paul refers to the glory of Christ. Verse 21, reverence for Christ. 22, as to the Lord. Verse 23, Christ is the head, etc., etc. Paul is discussing the, the, when Paul is discussing the subject of a wife's place in marriage, he always brings it back to the glory of Christ. Look what he's saying here. The purpose of a wife's distinct role in the marriage is to glorify Christ. Listen closely, my friends. You are not married, first and foremost, to meet your spouse's emotional needs. You are not married, first and foremost, to meet your spouse's sexual needs, physical needs. You are married, first and foremost, in the Lord, to lead your spouse to Christ. If the starting place of marriage is my needs, my wants, my desires, it's a marriage built upon sinking sand. The purpose of marriage is this, to lead one another to the Savior and to glorify Christ. Well, at this point, some of us in this room may be saying, Pastor, I've screwed up. We haven't lived like this at all. My marriage, my son's marriage, my daughter's marriage, my children's marriages, they're all falling apart because we haven't prioritized Christ. What now? That's that final picture. It shows us that there's an amazing hope for marriage. You know, we mentioned in the beginning of our time together that Satan has been attacking the church from the beginning. And in marriage, there's two sinful people who get married. And they produce sinful children. Children who from the womb are depraved, in need of salvation. So there's sin in the family. But here Paul reminds us of the solution to the problems in our marriages. 
The solution to the problems of the marriages of our children. The solutions to the problems of this world. He points us to the grace of Christ. Christ is the head of the church and is Himself its Savior. In all of our marriages, we will have difficult times. But the Apostle says, Look to Christ. That's the beautiful picture of marriage. Isn't a perfect marriage with perfect children, with no sins. What makes a marriage beautiful is two sinful people who look to Christ, who encourage each other to look to Christ. Never take your eyes off of Him. And find grace for yourself, but also grace to forgive your spouse. And grace to forgive your children. There is an amazing hope in marriage. But the amazing hope is not that you or I do it right. Or that we never make a mistake. But that husbands, wives, Children, keep your eyes on Christ. That's the amazing hope. And so Christian women, you are called, it is your religious duty to submit to the Lord. But not because your husband is stronger than you. Not simply because that he has the role of head in the family. It is your duty to submit to your husband because of what, what ha, Christ has done for you. What the Lord has done for you. What this means then is that your husband doesn't need to earn your submission. He doesn't need to earn your love. He should have it because you fear God. Finally, notice those words in verse 24 where it says, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This can be a, tra- a challenge for some people to understand, but we need to recognize this morning that if a husband's desire is to lead his wife in sinful ways, her first calling is ultimately to Christ. A woman's first calling is ultimately to Christ. But what this means is that normally, In the Christian family, a wife should have an attitude of affirming, supporting, respecting, and loving her husband as he leads her in a manner similar to the way Christ led the church. Let's conclude this morning. We have seen that God calls Christian wives to submit to their husbands in the Lord. This is how she can honor, serve, and love her husband as he is called to lay down his life for her. Be reminded, the woman is not called to be dominated, nor is she called to be domineering. Our wives are called to be like Christ, to serve their husbands in fear of the Lord and that God is pleased 
when women serve their husbands in this way. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful Father, we do give you thanks for this day. Thank you for this word that you've given us from the Apostle Paul, that you have elevated women from the lowly status that this world, that Satan gave them, and you have raised them up to heaven. They are daughters of the King, worthy of salvation, worthy of love, worthy of honor as our wives, as the daughters of this congregation. Yet, Lord, we know that they have not been called simply to be dominated or to only reside at home and to relegate it to a servant's life. But that, Lord, you have called them to a high and holy purpose. You have called them to serve their husbands in this way. I pray for my sisters who are here this morning, Lord, that you would bless them, give them strength for this calling. I pray that you would give them all that they stand in need of in Christ's name. Amen.